0: What do you think it takes to be an entrepreneur in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, a world crisis, and probably one of the most difficult environments that any entrepreneur has faced? You have to have the balls to do things you don't like. And, oh, or, or, or the
1: Vijay J, sorry. Um, we're not sexist here. <laughs> um, we, you have to have the gall. Um, to do things that you don't like, but are necessary. Um, you need to be able to follow the problem. Like without a doubt, that's the number one thing, follow the problem. And um, I just, I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of people struggle with COVID, right, with their businesses. And it's very hard. Like one, I was lucky. Um, I'll describe my business later, but I was lucky. But in that luck, there was a lot of work that went to it you know um and just follow the problem man there's there's the all economic activity has now been concentrated to relief efforts for COVID. there's a problem to solve there like without a doubt yeah. that's number one thing that should be happening um follow the problem you might be end up doing things you don't like but If you got in this to follow your passions, you're fucked. Like, I I can guarantee you, you are fucked. It's such
0: a difficult environment to just be passionate. Like, you really need to have so much more that adds to what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're doing it. Like, this is where the practical side of business, I feel, was really tested. And it wasn't just about how passionate or how much energy you had. But it was like, what are your tactics? What are your strategies? How do you think? How do you you make decisions? Um, What kind of leader are you? Um, How do you see your business lasting in the next just next week? Um, That was the sort of decisions people were making was like, how do you survive? And I don't think passion is like a core driver of something like that. Like it needs to go beyond that.
1: Yeah, uh, passion, like you should not have passion for what you're doing. You should be passionate about your vocation. What I mean by that is if you're an entrepreneur, you do one thing and one thing only. You solve problems. Like, that's it. That's all you're doing. You're solving problems to extract value from society. Um, If you're not passionate about solving problems, you're going to be... You're redundant. You know, I think um, what's happening with COVID happens repeatedly in cycles, right? And different things cause it. Um, Think of the dot-com... Uh, bubble right and crash think of the financial crash think of think of any society that has existed in history there's a crash right and what the crash does is it's I like to th- I'm uh, I'm reading a book called the uh, Um it's about the ancient truths it's by the three and basically the book talks about how um, all religious fundamental truths comes from there so you can find that's why religions have not that's why but that's part of the reason why religions have similarity across whatever religion you're listening to and yeah and i love i love how it describes the the balancing of things right that's the first thing it's like the balance between so for example heat is not uh, heat and cold are not opposites they're the same things of different degrees right and yeah. And one of the things that's, that, 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 that's also true in there is that destruction is a function of creation. It's not, it's not opposites, they're different degrees of the same thing. It's the continuous flow of life, right? And we have this disease of the universe and of mankind of excess. And the economies we saw were economies of excess. You know, um, people raising billions for apps to help their pets be on schedule. Like, that's excess you know um Mm. it's not really necessary so what 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 the system does every so often is it cleans itself up and unfortunately there'll be collateral damage for things that are necessary um within that process but man we need to accept the cleanup like this is a cleanup right and Mm. myself and many other people were uh, collateral damage for the cleanup you know um When I say myself, things I had envisioned for the year could not happen. They had to change. But in that accepting of life, amazing things happened. You know, accepting the reality of what's coming. I mean, uh, for example, my company were prepping early March, right? Early March for, we're getting locked down. We're going to get locked down. Like every other country, we're going to get locked down. So we started prepping then. And worse, we had just employed five new people, you know. So, oh, it's been a crazy time, man. It's been fucking awesome. <laughs>
0: so, if, if, if we go like into that journey, right, like um, you guys just ended your year having done almost 100 million in purchase orders for small businesses across South Africa, small to medium businesses across South Africa. What does that actually mean? Sure.
1: So, it's actually almost 100 million
0: for the year in terms
1: of turnover of the company but we did pass the 100 million mark in terms of funding for the past three years we've existed man being part of a company so just for context first year we did one point something million second year we did uh, was it just shy of 11 million and third year we're just shy of 100 million um the only thing we're angry about is that the first two years we kept on adding zeros and then this time we didn't end a zero but all, we almost <laughs> did. <laughs> we almost did, right? Um, I think we ended up at $92 million for the year. Um, but the funding we have provided has surpassed $100 million if you take the full three years we have existed. And what does that mean? I don't know, Mash. It means more stress. Mash, if I'm being honest, you know this is my honest... It just means a different kind of stress. I don't feel personally richer, although I'm personally more comfortable. Um... um Financially, but just means a higher level of management. You know, I'm starting to develop loosely put imposter syndrome. Um, where am I supposed to be running this company? Because the things that it requires of me are like, hmm, they're interesting, but I never back down on a challenge, right? So, mm. I almost want to sit in the corner of the company and be in charge of brand and innovation, right? And then somebody else Mm. runs the rest of the organization. And don't get me wrong, my COO um, is very strong, right? She holds most of the company together. The operational part, I'm in charge of the growth, right? And Mm. but still, the CEO still needs to report to me, so I'm still accountable for her work to the board, loosely put, right? Uh, I'm still Mm. hired by my board. And the board was very kind to us. Um, the execs and the team, uh, we're one of the best paying companies, man.
0: I, I can guarantee that. Oh, no, I don't, I can't. I don't know other <laughs> people's paychecks. <laughs> um, Look, in, a, in an environment where, you know, a lot of people are being let go and a lot of companies are you know, downsizing, you guys are actually hiring and expanding and making moves to grow. Um, yeah. What do you think prepared you especially For a time like this, Um, I know you've spoken about, you know, running lean, you know, not having um, an office space that you pay for, you know, in total, but like having an open workspace instead, Um, having a team that can work from home. What other things do you think prepared you guys for this moment to be able to function as a company, but actually excel as well?
1: So it's actually all of the stuff that's outside of the COVID, right? It's all of the reading I've done historically on the likes of Rothschild um, and books like that, right? Um, you know, we talk about the Rothschild's dynasty uh, loosely now that it's, it's got its fingers in every part of the world, right, economically. But we never discuss how they got there. Um, there's a book, uh, The Ascent of Money. It discusses how they got there. And how they actually got there is crazy. They were merchants, right? And then it was wartime. And the, 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 the sovereign, the state, needed people to move money to the front lines of the war, right? Move resources to the front lines of the war. And them as, as, as shipping merchants were the ones who were available. And that's where they developed their stronghold on economies. It's in the middle of crisis, they were the ones willing and daring to go the mile that nobody else is willing to go, right? And that cemented them with governments, um, with their government. And then they started realizing that they could bet on wars, you know? It's crazy. Um, so the preparation for that was when, when we started seeing lockdown coming and we're like, there's going to be an economic bloodbath. How do we position ourselves to be able to take advantage of the only places there'll be winnings, right? Some of it you can't predict. And this is one thing that entrepreneurs um, say loosely, but it needs to be drilled in. You know I love mathematics and empirical evidence, but you will be lucky Sixty percent of your entrepreneurship journey, sixty um, percent of it is pure luck, uh, and and the only thing you can do for that lack is preparation. That's the only thing you can do. Sometimes you'll be unlucky. Luck, luck, like I was talking about, um, luck and, and 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 bad fortune are not opposites; they're the same thing of different degrees. Is sometimes you're gonna be unlucky, you know, and. If I was to talk about the uh, practical uh, preparation, read everything you can get your hands on on strategy. When I mean strategy, I mean historic strategy, not even new age books. Another problem that we have in society is that every time there's a new idea, we latch on to it and that becomes the new doctrine, right? That is bullshit. Like that is the highest amount of bullshit. Uh, Nicholas Taleb says it nicely. If my grandmother can't hold that philosophy, that philosophy is false. Um... Because for a philosophy to be true, it needs to be timeless, you know. Um, Mm. And read as much as you can. Read Nicholas Taleb, Black Swan. Um, Nicholas Taleb wrote Black Swan, um, Skin in the Game, Fooled by Randomness. Um, What am I forgetting? Anti-Fragile. Yo, those books, if you love modeling the world, those books are important to understand how the world actually functions you know so how important read as much is as it possible to, to,
0: to have that 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 focus on understanding models for how the world works but also having models in how you live your life that you can mm. apply to the work that you do
1: i think it's, for me it's central um having those models and they must be your own you know of course derived from inputs from other people right but they must be your own. It's like, I've got, you know, there's one interesting thing. I was actually having a debate with Craig this morning, and it was funny when I was I was laughing at that debate because one of the things is there are different personality types, right? And some of it is biological, some of it is nurture. So my personality slant is on, there's this personality test I did. It's called the logician. I'm the, I'm the logician in that personality test, right? And mm-hmm. it uses the five character modes. Is Figure out what works for you, right? Figure out what type of... And I think that personality test... What's it called? It's like it's based on the briggs Myers stuff, right? And then you figure out the models that work for you. And I've got a model that works for me, number one, above all things. Try to tell the truth at all flippant times. Because how societies collapse is through the small lies. You know, it's like, it's the small lies and how, if that matters to you, how society functions, it's through the small lies you tell yourself, you know. Uh, I'm not saying now just tell everyone how you're having sex with your girlfriend, but try to tell the truth as much as possible, you know. Um, That's my personal philosophy. You need to also find your own personal philosophy that helps you navigate through this world of entrepreneurship and personal life and make sure they are aligned. A good example of this is, One of the things we noticed, so we've had a formal board since last year, November. And one of the things we've noticed creeping up is that the operational company is diametrically opposed in conduct to the board, right? And it's one of the things we brought up and we said, "No man, this board functions very differently from the operational company. And what we should do, not should do, one of the things we should look at is that we're still running the company the the, the 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 team tasked with running the company is the same team task is the same philosophy has the same philosophy as the people on the ground actually running the company right um mm. that was also important in my personal life the things i believe in business do i believe them in my personal life right the various principles you know and that just simplifies life um, and makes you less depressed with the work you do and, and not everyone has the opportunity well fuck that shit actually everyone has the opportunity to choose we just choose certain things we choose to avoid hunger so that we can work in an environment we don't like right um and we must be conscious of that choice i think the doctrines of of 2015 onwards in south africa have uh, eradicated the idea that human beings have choice and we're a, a function of our circumstances and our environment i think that is terribly toxic um to tell an able-bodied adult uh, giving them um viable and plausible excuses for um hmm, playing victimhood. Mash is gonna cut the shit out of that because I know Mash is not gonna let that shit go out of his podcast. Oh no Mash- I'm not gonna cut
0: anything. I've <laughs> I've decided I'm I'm no longer editing podcasts. I feel like um you know there's there's a version of entrepreneurship that's sort of starting to depress me. Mm. It's really starting to affect the way I feel and think and see things because we've decided to package it a certain way and mm. just sort of present this perfect molecule mm. or like this perfect capsule of, okay, this is what entrepreneurship is in South Africa. And a lot of those things is is very dishonest. It's very packaged mm. very well and nicely put. and. I actually think it's, it's, it's something that we're doing a disservice to not just entrepreneurs that, you know, exist in the space and are looking at others as, 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 as a motivator or, or, or as a blueprint, but more so for young people that are going, hey, I'm starting my life as a professional and I'm looking mm. at different things that I could possibly be doing. And they look at entrepreneurship and they go, oh, th- this is a perfect capsule. I can mm. take this capsule and apply it in my life and just like, sure, it will work. And my problem with that is like it's dishonest it's, it''s it's disingenuous, and it will lead to a lot more pain and hurt and people mm. feeling like they were cheated or scammed, because yeah, you go into this thinking that it's all you know interviews, photo shoots, <laughs> victory labs <laughs> and your first and your first whats. 3 years there's none of that and no one cares about what you're building <laughs> or you get some success and it feels like that and then it drops off and like there's a reality I feel like we are not speaking about and I want I want this podcast to become a blueprint for how honest and more more open we need to be about the ecosystem mm. and that's why like I feel like The best podcasts I've ever had have been with you because you have been the one person, consistent guest, one, yes, but a consistent friend in the ecosystem that I can say, hey, Leander, what do you think about what's happening here? And you'll say, oh, no, that's complete bullshit. There's no value Mm. there. And there's too few people that are honest and open enough to say, hey, that is a branding exercise. Those people Mm. don't actually care about entrepreneurs. You should be Mm. looking for someone that's doing something much more deeper in terms of offering value and trying to change their situation. And I saw a post by Lebo, um, I think yesterday it was, and he was saying, Mm. you know, everyone's giving black entrepreneurs specifically, you know, training programs and incubators, and I posted this as well, but I didn't say Mm. the word black because I was even scared, to be honest, and say, look, Mm. we have an ecosystem that's disproportionately allocating resources um, to a certain type of entrepreneur and mm. sending the other entrepreneurs to training for three years. So mm. a black entrepreneur spends three years in an incubator, a white entrepreneur spends three months and then gets all the resources. Well, mm. you know, it's those different, those differences in how the ecosystem allocates resources, but more than that, how dishonest and disingenuous we're being about the realities and the actual events of what happens in this ecosystem at a granular level. So, mm. no more editing. We don't, all that I just said was about one thing. I will mm. not edit anything you say. Ah. So, please be as open and as candid as, as you possibly can. Can
1: I now talk about tossing salad, which I've never done? Because <laughs> <laughs> it will not get edited out. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Fuck! I couldn't resist. Um, I love, I love what you've just said, and you know, there's multiple levels where we could change that. And when I, when I look at it, right, um, the book I'm reading, Cabellion, it's so interesting. It, it says something. It says, um, when, when the ear of the student is ready, the voice of the master will appear. So why that's important to what you've just said is. There's something we need to do, just as the black population. Forget entrepreneurs, as the black population, we need to stop getting excited by gestures of grandiose stories and gestures of of um, this is what success look success theater. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Right? I'll give you an example. I had an argument um, in a WhatsApp group with some friends, some deep thinkers when Black Lives Matter started and they were like, they shared a message from Netflix, they were, and Netflix had put up uh, Black Lives Matter and a whole message slap about that and they were like, this is powerful I'm like, what the fuck is powerful about that Nike did that four years ago, we're back here uh, black people getting shot by police it's not powerful at all like this is, this is me doing a value, uh, what's this thing called, value Versus signaling, signaling. Exactly. This is me value-signaling to win your sentiment. There's nothing powerful about this, and I'm not trying to critique Netflix or Nike particularly. I'm just saying we get... You know that old analogy that they used to say is that... Um, they joke about this. It's a false story, but it's an interesting joke. They said um, they gave a mirror to Shaga, and then we lost the land type of thing, right? Um, that, yeah. analogy is, <laughs> that analogy is quite apt to this. It's like we love these grand gestures of... Um, um, uh, affiliating with blackness. It's like, fuck, shut up. Like, fuck, stop rewarding sentiment. The structural problem of black people dying in America, which we'll discuss in a, in a different um, tone or, or, or segment, is a function of economics. Until you fix the economics of black people, that you don't have the prerequisite power to change the pol- power p- politics of the, the system. So the system can kill black people without any consequences because the power does not lie in the, fuck, like this annoys me to the T, you know, like it's the worst that. kind of thing. But what,
0: what, 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 would, what, what would real support and allyship actually look like?
1: Huh. So interestingly, I'll answer first the entrepreneurship then come back to that, right? Um, the first layer in entrepreneurship is just buy and shut up. Buy and shut up. If you've got good service from a black entrepreneur, shout it from the top of your lungs. Um, if you got shit service, point it out to them before you come to social media, right? We've got this very bad disease. We never say, when pick and pay fucks up an order, or Woolworths fucks up an order, we don't say, oh, white entrepreneurs. <laughs> right? We say pick and pay and Woolworths. But one black entrepreneur fucks up your order, it's like black entrepreneurship with the exorbitant prices. And it's like, that's the first layer, right? And that creates the economies of um black entrepreneurship thriving, right? You change the economics. And then secondly, two black entrepreneurs um
0: stop doing it for the gram. Like fuck. <laughs> like,
1: guys, it's I run a business.
0: Crazy. It's kind of crazy, right? Like the first podcast we ever did was called um, Stop Building Brands, Start Building Businesses. Obviously, businesses. that's like an mm. oversimplification, but like mm. what it went into was Focusing on the value that you create, the problem that you're solving and the business that you're building instead of focusing on like what it might look like on the outside mm. and having an over-focus on mm. the aesthetic of what, what your entrepreneurship journey looks like, I feel like that hasn't changed. I actually think it got worse. Yeah, it would
1: because there's less and less value being created, but there's everyone who's figured out how to hack the system. I can be popular if I can post X, Y, and Z, right? Like, that's literally what's happened to the market, right? So if we stop entrepreneurs from doing it for the gram, fuck, we'd win, we'd win, we'd win, man. Because, man, the real entrepreneurs I know, and don't get me wrong, there are real entrepreneurs I know who don't do it for the gram, even though they are on the gram because it drives their business. But if you stop, if you stop posting and fucking actually build let me let me give you context mesh let me give you context um i run a fucking 100 million rand a year company now right i drive a ford fee uh, what's this not even a ford figure suzuki swift um i'm not saying anything wrong with that it's just but even on top of that it's not even mine the company owns it uh, right um the where all of my money goes is on my daughter <laughs> right like most of it right And that's what we should be building. We're we're first generation entrepreneurs. You're not going to strange structural problems of economies by being a heavy spender and then say it's my prerogative. Fuck you. It's not your prerogative. You're part of a collective that's been disenfranchised for over 400 years in various ways and in every way in the world. You need to jack the fuck up and be part of the solution because what you're going to do is create jealousy amongst the people who are around you. You see what happened to that guy who won those tenders and um was posting on one side you're like fuck we hate ourselves too much why are we bringing this guy down and then the other side why are you showing off to the world you got your, your 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 proceeds it's like man shut the hell up and build you know like Ooh, man, that's I'm passionate about that. I am sure you're
0: you, what do you think people misunderstand about that responsibility of being, you know, first generation entrepreneurs, right? So the, the whole idea is that you know our parents couldn't do it. They that wasn't mm. a dream that they had. Obviously, there are some parents that got through, you know, grandparents that got through that found a way to make mm. it happen. But we're generally the first sort of generation of people that actually can think about entrepreneurship as being a viable option and like being very, very committed and building something valuable. What do you think young people misunderstand about about the responsibility that comes with and what does it actually mean?
1: I think the problem why we misunderstand that is because what's that saying about what bullshit rises to the surface, right? Something like that, right? Like but like the worst of the world, the worst of it rises to the surface. The things that are famous are bullshit. And if you follow those metrics of bullshit, you're gonna measure your wealth on that bullshit, right? Is I'm gonna say it loosely, expensive cars, expensive watches, big houses, Instagram pretty pictures inside homes, right? Like it's like that's that's not it. You know, you're still lonely in your home after those likes. <laughs> like the things that give you real substance and value is being able to provide for the next generation. Like and I, and I say this loosely because I've got a child, right? That's that's what also was my wake up call. I'm not saying everyone go out and make children, Jesus Christ, not with the mindsets we currently have. I'm still fucking learning <laughs> how to be a parent, <laughs> right? I think what also we don't consider is when we look at white people with uber wealth, we don't realize that their first generation, of course, segmented and catered to them, especially the Afrikaans race, were lowly workers and farmers, and they were helped a lot by government. Another thing is we need to fucking hold this government to account, man. Uh, like we don't, we don't. Um, and we like to blame our the elders. No, it's our youth's fault. Youth don't go out to vote and make them feel it. We vote on Twitter, right? It's like if you watch Twitter, you'd swear that EFF was in power, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they're still <laughs> they're still dawdling there. What are they at now? Ten percent, twenty percent? Man, man, how you change the world is you change yourself first. You fix you. That's how you change the world. You fix you, and you get yourself your shit together. And I'm not trying to hold a high moral standard that everyone must subscribe to. I'm a I'm a smoker who's tried to quit three thousand times and I fail every single time, and I still try. Um, I luckily I quit drinking. And um, and trying to go down the straight and narrow, you know. So fix yourself and fix your immediate home. Your immediate home breeds and builds human beings who go fix the rest of the world or their immediate circle with their friends, and then they build homes that fix themselves. So fix yourself first. If I was to if I was to have one solution to all of this is get off all fucking social media. Be only on WhatsApp. Um, get off all of it, and then go find ways you can fix the problems of the country. I, I think it, social media hmm, is, 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 the, is the gift and the curse, you know? Back to that opposite thing. It's the gift and the curse. <laughs> it's a gift in, in, in terms of ease of access of people, but it's the curse because it's got false connections and false perceptions of what life really is, you know? So uh, we need to get off the gram, man. Um, man, I don't know if you've ever seen my Instagram. Have you seen how shitty it is? Like... Like, that's no coincidence. <laughs> like, it's like, I, 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 don't, I don't have wealth to flaunt or to pretend to have wealth. The wealth well, I have is the people I love and the people that love me, right? That's my true yes. wealth, you know?
0: Um, Look, I, but, I will say, though, you know, unfortunately, I'm a social media addict. That's a reality that You make money off of it. Right? Fuck
1: that shit. Let's tell the truth, man. Yeah, yeah, I change. mean, yes, <laughs> I do make money
0: off of it. But here's the, that's the, the sort of nuanced thing that I wanted to say was like there are parts of social media i believe that where i feel i can because of that access to people mm. and being able to focus my content or the work that i'm doing on enabling people to do stuff that they believe in right so making content about how to start a podcast how to build an online store how to do this how to do that i use those platforms to share that yes. content and also you know leverage brands to to be able to make money from that 100% platform. and I think there is value in doing that. One, driving impact, building communities, Mm. and making sure that you're adding something that actually is counter to the reality of what it Mm. is now, right? So Mm. a lot of it is noise. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize is how much noise you take in, um, how much filth you take in, how much Mm. um, bad you take in, right? Just energy, not even like... Uh, specific comments or anything, just energy. It just feels mm. heavy. And I think this pandemic or, or just like the crisis and the lockdown and everything about it has really shown me was like, if you don't take the responsibility to curate your experience of social media and sec- mm. more than that, curate your experience of the world and start to protect yourself emotionally, psychologically, healthwise, whatever it is. Like this pandemic threw away everything around... Your circumstances determine everything. I feel like you Mm. have so much control in your own, like, Mm. who you are and what you do and the decisions you make are fundamental to what happens to you. And, like, it's just, it's it's the simple things of, like, okay, if you don't sanitize your hands and you keep on touching stuff and you put Mm. your hands near your face and then you catch this thing and then, you know, or you don't wear a mask and you put yourself at risk. It's the same thing with you spend five hours on Twitter. You don't curate who you follow. You don't curate Mm. the content you're consuming. You're just constantly taking in all Mm. of it. And there's no protection. You don't protect yourself Mm. in any way. You don't take a break, You know, switch off, screen off, just like, okay, I'm going to step away from this place. Because I always think of, of social media now as a place that you visit. And the longer you stay there, the more difficult it is for you to understand how it affects you and pulling away from that is important 100 mm. percent
1: agree like absolutely agree and there's something also you touched on about this pandemic that it also showed like it's a good demonstration of the thing i was describing earlier that if you don't take care of yourself you risk hurting other people right like so you might not die from the COVID. right if you stop taking care of yourself that's how you fix the world right if you don't do that you might kill your parents like how do you live with yourself knowing that, right? And that's a good, apt analogy for how you conduct yourself influences your life. And you need to curate. And I want to be very clear, Mesh, when I was saying that, it's because I speak so bluntly with swear words now. When I was saying you're making money off of that, it's because you're fucking adding value. You're teaching people how to podcast, Right. You're giving people resources about where to find the important resources within entrepreneurship. You're taking your view from working in the ecosystem and going, that's bullshit, that's not. Although I do think you curate that so that um, you don't hurt the bag. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, you know I'll always call you out, my nigga. Um, but, <laughs> but there's value being
0: added, you know. Um, and also you, Let's you tell... Let's Let's talk about that. Like you know, people say that a lot. Adding value. What does that actually mean to an entrepreneur or creator um, in a practical sense?
1: Practical sense is my life after interacting with you or your business is better than it was before, and you've taken some of my money to give me that value. Like that's literally it. You can figure out what that that value is by finding the problems, right? Um, Uber Eats. I hate cooking. I hate getting out of the house to go do something, right? It's like, oh, now I have to go prepare and pretend I bathed. Uh, No, I can sit in (laughs) in my place and order some food, right? I feel like this food. You've solved the problem for me, right? And my problem is worth more than the money I'm giving you for this problem. Like, literally, thinking about, and it's the time value of money. Like, if I think about, okay, I feel like this food, but in order to go get it, I'm going to have to first bath, Um, and then drive out, so the bathing, let's say, half an hour to an hour, however long, and then driving out, it's the 30 minutes there and back, no matter how close it is, and then um, coming back, um, having exhausted that energy, um, and then eating, or eating even in the car, inconveniently, because then I come back, I've wasted two hours of my day, so I have to get back to work. Instead, you've taken 15 rand, or 30% of the value of my meal, um, and... And and charged me that so that you can save me two hours, um, loosely put. For example, somebody running a company of my size, um, the value of your hour is anywhere from a thousand rand to two thousand rand, loosely put. So you saved me four thousand rand, right? Um, and when we start thinking about it that way, instead of trying to be a price price point entrepreneur, is going, yeah, this is too expensive, this is too cheap. You have to realize. What is the value I am creating and what is it worth to the other person? You know, um, this is how companies get sold. Companies that are doing 10 million get sold for a billion to another company. WhatsApp is a good example, right? WhatsApp was not really making money, right? It was trying to, it was making money by trying to stop how much people were signing up, right? With that, if you renew your subscription, we'll charge you, I think it was 10 rand or whatever, or a dollar, right, per year to slow down people subscribing. But it wasn't really making money. But it got sold for, was it 20 billion or 2 billion um, US dollars? 20. 20 billion US dollars. I think it was 20, yeah. It has paid back its money many folds to Facebook. Because now Facebook can look at your WhatsApp chats and act like a Google search. When you're texting someone and telling them, I need X, Y, and Z, right? Facebook reads that and then takes its advertising and plants that thing in front of you, you know? Like, WhatsApp has paid... For, for its price, you many times fall over in revenue, you know? So yeah, it's understanding that get out of your head, get out of yourself and know your customer. What is your customer's pain points, right? And how much is it worth to them? And do they perceive it that way, you know? Um, and that's that's yeah. adding value, you know?
0: And and I think another one that people, you know, use as just a uh, this is what entrepreneurs should be doing is solve problems right so Mm. in the world we exist in right now what do you think the opportunities are
1: who's spending i mean that the good question is who's spending right now you know Mm. there's only two categories of people who are spending or organizations that are spending government and corporates right corporates that are open those are the people who are spending what problems are they dealing with i've got a i've got a friend um I can't give too much details on this because, I mean, we're discussing it in confidence, right? He was running a different business, right? Um, Before COVID, was doing very well and it's still doing okay. But when COVID started, he noticed, oh, corporates are going to need X, Y, and Z, right? Man, that business has sold more in its first two months of existence and raised, I think it raised 2.5 million um, in that time in grants um, off of... More, it sold more than what his business was doing on a month to month basis already, right? Like, and it's like, Mm -hmm. and I like him a lot because he's a problem solver. But somebody on the outside looking in would say, Oh, yeah, I only got that because of white privilege. I'm like, That's nonsense. Like, if you know how that guy works, like, if yes, like, there's no such thing, you know. So, um, unfortunately, I can't give the full details of that because we were discussing it in confidence. But basically, the point is. If you solve problems, you solve problems that are relevant to the people that are still functional. Corporates have to do various things in order to comply with the new laws, you know. Um, Government needs to supply all sorts of PPE and various other things to their various departments. Um, Everyone is tendering now. Like, go tender. Go find something. Even if you were a cookie maker, go find a tender for where they need cookies. I'm going to make a loose example, the, 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 the eating schemes for schools, right? Um, primarily what you need to do there is go to the um, – uh, I'm going to give everybody the same advice so that the price goes down. Um, you have to go to the fresh produce market, get a quote, and, and, and get a sense of what the pricing is like for the various items. Then go tender for with government. Add maybe a 20% markup, um, if you do add a, a markup, and then sell it to government, And then you're competing with other people where you're just delivering that thing. And why I'm telling everyone to go do this is that one of the things that will save this government from overspending is if there's a lot more people tendering. If there's a lot of people tendering, they're going to have to, by law, pick one of the cheapest of those people to supply the goods. Right now, there's too few people tendering. And what ends up happening is that there's there's overspending by government. They're buying their goods at retail prices. Jesus Christ, it's scary. And I know this because... That's primarily what my business does, the People's Fund. We fund purchase orders for people who've got contracts with government and corporates. And one of the things that scare me is government is overpaying for their goods, like badly overpaying, right? Um, and terribly overpaying because there's not enough people tendering. We have not created perfect competition. But at the same time, I do believe with their philosophy of tendering is going to be the best way to get as many people into the econo- uh, the economy in a way that they can be functional as possible, because it I'm not it's not easy it's it's quite it's quite tedious, but it is equal access to opportunity. You know,
0: yeah, and you know I think governments have like a massive massive responsibility, um, not only to enable entrepreneurs and you know small businesses and um, just people in general. Do you think we Ooh. have a government that? really committed to doing that and how effective has it been
1: i think democracy is the worst way to build um a developing economy democracy is nice for a rich country um because the incentives of democracy are fucked up i'm incentivized to appear to be good um so i'm taking the question a level up i'm going there is no incentive for government to do good the incentive is to look good politics is the proverbial original social media you know it's the original gram um there's absolutely no incentive for the government to actually do good and there's places where it does do good like it's crazy like you know with our purchase order funding we've noticed places where government has figured out some things and you're like wow you're efficient and you do this well right um Mm -hmm. which is hidden from the rest of the market but all of the other stuff is like it's set up to be bullshit, like absolute bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, there's no chance of that. I think the only problem is that with a dictatorship, you're playing the lotto. You either have a good one or a shit one, you know? Um, but <laughs> statistically, loosely statistically speaking, uh, developing countries fare better with... Ah, I'm going to say that wrong and I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie. <laughs> I, my observation, <laughs> my observation, when I look at... Um... um asia specifically that a slightly less democratic society where there's a single focus on an objective makes it easier to move people out of poverty democracy is that you've got too many voices you know um right now like government is dealing with the perceptual democracy of why are you taking our way away like it's like you know if i was in government and it's gonna be sucky like Alcohol wouldn't exist as a legal drug like you'd rather bootleg I don't care if you bootleg and and the argument is that the taxpayer were losing tax money because guys g- guys we're basically comparing money to people's lives it's like this is and I'm, I'm not saying it's not nuanced I was worried that I'm going to finish a podcast without using my favorite word I'm not saying nuanced. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not nuanced you know the economics of it but when I say to people's lives, it's you immediately see all of the social ill crimes and casualties disappear as soon as we remove alcohol from South Africa, right? It's we're arguing about the right to sell alcohol and cigarettes. Cigarettes kill one in two people who smoke. We're arguing about cigarettes. And don't get me wrong, um, the studies are showing that nicotine combats COVID. So I can hear that
0: argument, right? Just by the way, we have, <laughs> I, I, this is not a health podcast. Do not take any advice. Please take advice from your, your
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a body hacker. Um, but anyway, not doing very well right now. Um, but anyway, the point is that having the right to argue that, I know it's the crap out of me. It's like, can we have a focused objective? Because in an organization, you've worked in a, Startup that grew grew quite quickly. The number one thing was that everyone needed to be focused in one direction, right? Yeah, you need one vision.
0: You need a vision that goes above um, all things and, and it needs to... So with every decision you make, there has to be a link that says, okay, how does this add back to the vision that we have, right? So any decision, any partnership, any move you make, any... Anything you say, do, or, you know, think of needs to be focused on how does this add back to the vision? And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs and creators struggle with is understanding what that vision might be, but also shaping their actions or matching their actions to that vision in a real way. So even in a country context, so we can take it from a country context to right down to just, you know, an individual if you don't understand why you're doing something and what's the overarching goal above everything, it's really, really difficult to see how you'll do it um, or what it's going to take to do it. And, like, Mm. I think that's a perfect, you know, intro to this last question which is, like, what is the ultimate vision of the People's Fund but also your ultimate vision in life? So, hmm,
1: (laughs) so I was actually answering this question this week. So my ultimate vision in life is I'd like human beings to be dealing with the existential question of why do we exist and above that um, how do we how do we continue our existence if it matters so if we answer that first question in the affirmative that our existence matters which is open for debate how do we continue our existence in a way or sustain it in a way that is symbiotic with the environment we we live in and one of the existential crisis we have around that is global warming but nobody's focused on that because why we're stuck in identity politics right and what the vision of the people's fund is is um you remember i used to have a company called paybook and that was like arguably my first company that i grew to something where i got a little bit comfortable and i realized when i got to that comfort that i was hit by my worst depression why Because my why of paybook was to prove a point and figure out what it feels like to arrive. And immediately when I arrived, I realized all of this shit doesn't matter, right? So, Mm. but I would have never understood that on an empty stomach, right? So one of the things is nobody's going to listen to the global warming argument when blackness is still suffering adverse inequality and 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 not just blackness like all of the elements of intersectional feminism right like blackness gender um sexual predilection and all of those things so if you can solve the number one impediment to those power dynamics right which is the economics of it we can start having conversations because i can't i can't talk on an empty stomach right um so that's that's the ultimate vision of of the people's fund is equal access to opportunity for those who strive to seek it. Actually, Clulu said that, you know, within the company, he framed that right like quite nicely. Like, we believe in access to opportunity for those who strive to to, to 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 who see who strive to seek them, right? Seek out those opportunities and execute on them. So the ultimate vision of the People's Fund, 2030, we must be the preferred purchase order funding company on the continent, right? Doing 10 billion mm-hmm. in financing US dollars um per year right that's the ultimate vision then i can exit the company i'm happy there i'm done Like, i'm I'm, then i can
0: then
1: i can exit and just just a bit of background of what is the people's fund because we can't assume that people have been listening to every one of the podcasts we've done together um people's fund is a purchase order you're gonna wait
0: until we hit an hour of recording to say this
1: yeah because when they're ending (laughs) they can go apply
0: to get funding
1: Fuck! (laughs) Marketing 101! Like, fuck! You don't want to disturb the content by them Googling www.people.co.ca. Go for it. Fuck! So, the People's Fund is a purchase order funding platform. Um, Basically, what you do, you come to us when you've won a contract with government or corporate, and then um, you ask for funding, we fund it, and then we take 6% of the value of your purchase order. We've done this to the tune of 100 million. You can find us on TP underscore fund on Twitter and Instagram and on our website uh, thepeople.co.za, uh, please select when you say how did you hear about us please select mash startup so that i can come back to this podcast because Mesh knows i will not fucking come back if there's no leads converting from this fucking podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> get your purchase order guys <laughs> just say that link one more time though just to i feel like it wasn't that clear
1: Okay, um, so the website is www.thepeople.co.za. I I forgot how to spell the people there for a second. No, I hope I spelled
0: it right. (laughs) Last, let then click on get funded. Last, last question. Um, last, last
1: words. I feel mash. I just realized something. Wait, I have a question
0: before you do your summary.
1: Oh, you said last, last words. Oh, sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is your advice for young entrepreneurs, creators, and small business owners? Whether you are about to get into it, okay, or you're already in it, but you're struggling. Like, what's your advice for someone that's going, you know what, I really want to be an entrepreneur and I want to create value and I want to solve problems. Um, Yeah. What's, my, what's your advice for that person?
1: So the one thing in your question that threw me off was somebody saying I really want to be an entrepreneur. Well, that's a first red flag that you should get the fuck out of this industry because you're associating it with some kind of prestige, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? The only thing you should care about is solving problems. So the first point of advice is, are you satisfied with seeing a world with your vision and your organization changed in the way that you want to does that satisfy you if yes then pursue it because no amount of money will give you that satisfaction that comes with that pursue it pursue it wholeheartedly if you just want to be an entrepreneur get the hell out of here man get the hell out of here man go do something else um this is not for the glory man or the owner mentions um (laughs) this is not for the glory or the honor mentions um everyone who, who's got glory will tell you that it's fickle in fact the the more the more successful your organization becomes the less you want to do interviews or glory things you hate them it's like mesh will tell you like every time he says oh yeah i've got a talk going on and i'd like you to come on it's like ah oh, fuck mesh like what is it about <laughs> you know like does it matter you know <laughs> you know because it's like ah man i think like the waste of time you know we're rejecting pr interviews all the time and it makes some of my friends very angry and i love them to bits but i can't stand doing talks i can't stand it it's like we're wasting time i think the last talk i did i told the entrepreneurs who here owns a business they raised their hands i'm like what the fuck are you doing here why aren't you in your business they never invited me again um, why aren't you in your business building it?
0: <laughs> I don't think I'll be invite you to my podcast again.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: why the fuck are you motherfuckers listening to this shit and not building your your, your bread? <laughs> <listening> with you.
0: <laughs> so yeah, you said you had some final words.
1: <laughs> ah man, I realized Cabellion made me realize you and I. Right, my relationship with you and I. Right. Um. We're different degrees of the same thing. We're searching for truth and we come at it in different ways, right? And yours is the approach of let me first understand you, give you the things that you're comfortable with, and then we'll bring you to the truth of what's happening. Mine is I'm going to break your shit apart. Like, I'm going to break your shit apart and. If you're not comfortable with that, then you're not riding with us, you know. And that's mm-hmm. been the philosophy. If you look at the culture of the People's Fund, man, it's such an insensitive company. Um, uh, and it's funny because we've got, I think, 70% – our workforce our 70% women. But Jesus Christ, the jokes that come out of there, they're so fucking insensitive, right? Like, All right. <laughs> 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 wow. Even I go, huh, oh, that hurts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that culture works for the People's Fund because we're saying uh, we're creating an environment where blackness is comfortable, you know, and okay mm. with being who you are in the many shades of blackness, you know.
0: Mm. And imagine what, that, imagine what that means to someone that's, that's lived their lives working in organizations where they had to reshape who they were to fit the spaces that weren't built for them.
1: Hundred 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 and fucking fifty percent. I mean, one of the people we've hired comes from a semi-corporate background, right? And they were like, Wow, like you guys don't know, like being able to be myself at work, like means everything. Culu said something nice. He said, You know, first time I interacted with you guys, um, I was like, This is so disorganized. And then I realized you guys execute well I never said disorganized, but He's like, this is so weird. Like it was a culture shock, right? <laughs> and then he saw us execute and he was like, fuck, I just realized that the actual thing is that we've we as society have associated whiteness with formality and 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 execution. Instead, it's like it has nothing to do with that. You can be yourself in this environment and still be the best player, you know? So that's, that's the space we're creating at the People's Fund. Be yourself, man. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And we won't agree, you know, like I've got diametrically opposed views with many of the people I, I work with, you know, and I love engaging with them, you know. Um, I mean, our social media manager, for example, you know her very well, Dutendo, right? Me and yeah. her argue all day, all day long about um, intersectional feminism and various other things, right? Because we've got opposing views on that, right? Mm. but we have an amazing relationship you know because that's allowed within the company to be different
0: mm. that's powerful man i really really appreciate your honesty your openness um, your willingness to do this every other cycle so usually we do it once a year but this is the kind of year that we had to do it twice <laughs> so i appreciate this um i appreciate my relationship with you i think you a super game changer man, um, I can't wait to see what you do in the future.
1: no, thanks, man. It's crazy actually. when you mentioned that, I know it was that closing, but you know it's crazy when me and you were talking um beginning of the year, we were doing five million a month right um mm. we're at We're at twenty million a month now, right like it's six months later, and it's like shit, and it's like you're my stop and smell the roses moment right like because. I'm really frustrated, right? Like, and you can tell even in my tone, right? Like, there's stress. I'm, I'm trying to rush, mm. so I can go do work, right? But you might mm. stop and smell the roses because it's like, fuck, we've grown,
0: you know? There's, um, there's, there's, there's growth happening. And mm. I think you, you can miss those moments and not be conscious and completely mm. not see or feel or really appreciate what it means. So I'm glad that, mm. that, that this helps you do that.
1: They better fucking sign up for purchase order funding and put Mesh Startup there. You <laughs> know, I ain't fucking coming back. We ain't smelling roses until fucking 2030 when we've got 10 billion in the fucking bank account. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. I'm fucking
0: going
1: out. No, bad. Thank you so much. No, thanks, Mesh. Thanks, Mesh.
0: Cool.